I see you over there, Tom, ripping off my episodes. I actually could have done a, uh, a sign collecting episode, except for the fact that, first of all, I really don't have that many signs to tell you about. Um, and I just never really got into collecting them. A big part of the problem is I don't have a garage to put them in. Or I don't even have a yard because I live in a condo. Um, I will say that the one shield that is pretty sentimental to me is a New York State Thruway shield. And that one I got in 2014 during my tenure with uh, Tappan Zee Constructors. Um, that one's always going to be special because of the project I was on when I acquired it. Um, other than that, nah, there's nothing, there's nothing all that special in my collection. I do think the Route 747 shield outside of Stewart Airport was pretty cool. Um, that's it. You know, I don't have a whole lot to say about signs and shields and collecting and all that. Tom is really the expert on that. Um, so I hope you listened to that episode, and I hope you enjoyed it, because I certainly did. Anyway, I'm done talking about signs, okay? Let's get into the real big show here on Just Passing Through. A new episode starts right now. Live from an undisclosed location, this is the Gribble Nation Roadcast. Hey, can I get some mustard on that? Okay, great, thanks. Oh, hey, everybody. Welcome in to another episode of Just Passing Through here on the Gribble Nation Roadcast. We are fueled by Anchor FM, and yours truly, Dan Murphy, is broadcasting uh, from an undisclosed location this week uh, on 51st Street in Midtown Manhattan as the snow continues to fall. Uh, yet again, um, this winter, it's been a pretty wild past month weather-wise in this part of the country and in other places too. I'm looking at you, Texas. Um, but we have a pretty jam-packed show for you this time around. Um, we're going to talk primarily about Interstate 95 uh, through the city of Wilmington, Delaware. There's a major project about to get started in the next week or so. We'll talk about kind of an outline of that project and tell you a little bit about where things are going to go with that over the next couple of years. We'll also kind of take you down memory lane and tell you a little bit about the uh, the construction of the highway initially in the 60s and give you a bit of an overview uh, to the corridor in general as we get geared up uh, for the uh, project that Delaware DOT has already um, nicknamed Restore the Corridor. So we'll uh, We'll get into a bunch of that as the evening and the show progresses. I uh, want to welcome you in. We should probably start with some road enthusiast news before we go any further. We'll see if we can make this a, uh, a somewhat regular uh, thing on the program going forward. Uh, this is the time of the year, like February or March, when uh, road meets and events start to come into more clear of a focus. Uh, I think the big ticket item right now that a lot of people are waiting on is a final decision in terms of the uh, Outer Banks meet, which is supposedly going to be held in the last week or so of April. 
this event, as you may recall, was originally scheduled for more or less one year ago exactly, or one year prior, I should say. Uh, in 2020, uh, the pandemic wiped out the original uh, date for that event, so it was rescheduled for one year, essentially to the day uh, in later in uh, April of this year. Uh, no final decision has been reached, however, the host of that event has indicated that he would like to make a final decision on that within the next uh, month or so. So I would expect a decision to come down probably around the middle of March if that's an event that you're interested in checking out. I certainly am. I've never been to the Outer Banks. I've always been looking for an excuse to get down there, so hopefully that, uh, hopefully that event does go ahead uh, as planned. Um, also, there's been a bit of a rumbling here recently about a possible meet out in Western Maryland this summer. Um, possibly, although no date has been selected, the, the one that has been circling around quite a bit lately is late June. Um, that's an event that would have a lot of appeal because there aren't that many events held out in that part of the country anyway. Um, really, I think the one of the things that jump-started interest in hosting that particular event was the uh, Interstate 68 virtual tour episode that was hosted on the Roadway Wiz YouTube channel um, last week. That was a pretty popular event. Uh, a lot of people came back with positive feedback for that show, and it really... I think got a lot of people interested in that part of uh, Appalachia and also Western Maryland, which is not a part of the country that you hear a lot about in terms of roads. But I-68 is a very interesting highway. It's it's one of my favorite uh, interstates uh, east of the Mississippi. Um, and so ever since I drove it for the first time, I kind of always imagined doing an episode you know, devoted to that highway, and I'm glad that I was able to do it. And I think it went off pretty well. You know, we have we had a lot of great uh, guests along the way, and, and again, you know, people in the audience were very receptive to uh, everything that was uh, shown visually and everything that was discussed as well. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with Western Maryland. Hopefully, there's a meet that can be had out there at some point, uh, if not this year, hopefully uh, in the not too distant future. Um, other thing I do want to mention real quick uh, in the announcements segment, um, Adam actually brought this to our attention the other day that the uh, the website pghbridges.com, um, titled Bridges and Tunnels of Allegheny County, a uh, product of a gentleman named Bruce Kreidelbaugh, I hope I'm saying that name right, um, that website has apparently uh, gone kaput and is no longer in existence, uh, which is a real shame. You know, that website was one that uh, really came into my consciousness as I was starting to learn about the bridges of Pittsburgh. And, um, you know, Pittsburgh is one of my favorite American cities, you know, and as an engineer and a bridge nut, um, I was looking for a lot of information back in my, uh, probably my late teen years about 
uh, you know, the bridges of southwest Pennsylvania, and Bruce's site was one of those that I discovered pretty early on, and, and it, it had a pretty significant impact on me in terms of, you know, my level of interest in Pittsburgh um, and all those bridges. I know that it has influenced Adam quite a bit as well with uh, some of his early research and some of his ongoing stuff that he's working on um, as part of his uh, southwestern Pennsylvania catalog. Um, so it, it's just a shame, you know, to, to lose a site like that. Um, we are gradually starting to lose a lot of pages and sites and information that really formed the early foundation of the hobby on the internet. Um, and so I hope that we can kind of stem the tide a little bit and help preserve some of that older stuff. Um, I would hate to see all of that early work just go completely by the wayside and be forgotten. Um, there are a lot of great there was there were a lot of great sites in general that um, you know in those early years that you know really deserve to be seen and appreciated. And I, I hope that we can figure out a way as a community to make that happen because you know it, it really to me doesn't make a whole lot of sense that we should have to you know, lose a lot of great information like this, um, as time goes on. So really, uh, really too bad to hear about, uh, the Pittsburgh, uh, Bridges website, uh, going belly up. Uh, I, I hope that's not the end of the line for it. Hopefully it pops up again at some point, but, uh, that was, that was some bad news when I heard that. Cause again, my, you know, my, my personal connection to, uh, the history of, you know, bridges in Pittsburgh and trying to learn about that stuff as as a youngster was uh, was pretty important to me. And again, that was one of the the sites that was central to that effort. I do not have any listener emails in my inbox this week. Um, again, if you have anything that you would like to say about the program, anything you would like to chime in about, or if you have ideas for future programs or future topics that you would like to see me cover uh, or if you have anything in response to anything that I've already covered on the program uh, you can get in touch with me uh, at uh, you can email me at roadwaywiz at gmail.com uh, and I'd be happy to uh, take your email and uh, if it's good enough maybe I'll read it on the air and, and give you a, a spontaneous response uh, in the process so that's going to do it for uh, announcements and a little bit of a, a little bit of a overview of what's cooking right now. Uh, we'll take a quick voice break. I gotta, I gotta rest my voice for a minute. When we come back, we'll get into the main topic of this evening, which is Interstate 95 in Wilmington. So don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. And just to remind you that you are listening to Just Passing Through here on the Gribble Nation Roadcast, uh, hosted by yours truly, Dan Murphy. Uh, this is my sixth episode already. We're on episode six already. Can you believe it? It has gone by really fast. Um, it's just, it's been a lot of fun ever since I started recording these episodes, and it's still uh, just as much fun as when I started. Uh, anyway, I-95 in Wilmington. So, back in the mid-1950s, uh, planning officials in both Delaware and Pennsylvania were outlining their uh, proposed highway system 
um, to incorporate into the Philadelphia slash Wilmington metropolitan area. And they, in northern Delaware, selected two main highways that they wanted to build. Um, the one that became I-95, you know, was planned to be constructed first. That one would go right through town. Uh, and connect up with uh, suburban Philadelphia and also the then proposed uh, Delaware Turnpike. Uh, the second highway, which was more or less intended to follow the Delaware River uh, around the east side of Wilmington as a bypass, that eventually got built later in the 70s as Interstate 495. Um, but there were always supposed to be two routes that worked in tandem with each other. Uh, to carry traffic from Maryland and southern Delaware on up through uh, the northeastern corner of the state and then up into the Philadelphia area. Um, I-95 was primarily constructed through Wilmington in the early to mid-60s. Um, it was largely complete through town up as far north as Concord Pike by the end of 1967. Uh, the final link from Conquer Pike up to the Pennsylvania state line was completed the following year. Um, there are a couple of big important features that we should mention about the existing highway as it stands before the reconstruction starts, and that is there's a major viaduct um, through town elevated section uh, roughly along Adams and Jackson Street. Uh, this construction was um, very destructive to the neighborhoods in on the, on the west side of Wilmington. There were entire city blocks that were raised for the construction of the highway. Uh, numerous historic buildings were demolished um, without any thought of pres preservation, uh, including churches. I think there were at least four churches on the historic register in Delaware that were demolished. Uh, to make way for this highway. Um, and it really cut a giant swath through the west side of Wilmington and it really divided the neighborhoods west of downtown um, quite significantly from the center of the city. Uh, even though all the streets were eventually reconnected to each other via overpasses, it really created a physical barrier uh, between downtown and the neighborhoods west of uh, west of town. Um, there's been debate over the years as to exactly whether or not the construction of 95 directly led to the subsequent decline of these neighborhoods west of town. Um, we have seen throughout history, you know, neighborhoods in cities decline anyway, even if there isn't a highway anywhere near them. Um, it's one of those things that historians have debated for years and I'm sure we'll continue to debate for years um, but it must be said that a lot of West Wilmington did decline sharply um, in the years immediately op following the opening of 95 uh, through uh, Wilmington proper so this was a pretty destructive project um, some people will point to the fact that 95 uh, being built in tandem with 495, you might say, well, why didn't they just, you know, build the bypass and skip the highway through town altogether? Um, it's a fair point. Um, you know, you kind of wonder why they even bothered in the first place. If they were going to build the bypass anyway, then why not just route all the traffic onto that in the first place? Um, 
you know, it was one of those things that, you know, we will study for many years to come, I'm sure. You know, the, the, uh, the pros and cons of building uh, these major urban freeways right through neighborhoods and right through business districts and studying the after effects of that, you know, not just on the cities, but also on the populations at large. There's also a pretty uh, significant rock cut in this highway as you work your way through downtown. So if you're coming at it from the south, you'll pass on this mile-long viaduct along the Adams and Jackson corridor, and then suddenly you'll go below grade um, for a, a pretty considerable distance um, before once again emerging and crossing over the Brandywine River on a, on a pretty lengthy uh, overpass uh, as you approach Concord Pike. And the, the, the rapidly changing topography in that part of Wilmington has always been a topic of interest because you have an ancient fault system underneath the city that hasn't been active in who knows how long. But um, that is what helped shape you know that part of Wilmington. There's actually some pretty steep grades on on some of the cross streets in that area. Um, if you ever are driving around the city in West Wilmington, there's some pretty steep hills out that way. Great for sledding in the winter, but uh, not exactly fun to drive on in the winter uh, necessarily. But so you go from on 95, you go from the elevated highway to the depressed highway, you know, through a, a cut, and then you go back over, you know, above grade on uh, the Brandywine Valley Bridge. And that takes you up to Concord Pike, which is the last big exit uh, in the city of Wilmington before the freeway uh, eventually, you know, heads north towards Pennsylvania. So that, that's kind of an overview of, of the freeway as it stands uh, within the city limit of Wilmington. Once you get north of, say, Concord Pike, and you're heading generally north and east towards the, uh, the Pennsylvania state line, the interstate does calm down quite a bit, and it actually takes on quite a rural character. Uh, it's one of the quieter stretches of mainline interstate in the entire northeast corridor, in fact. Uh, I always kind of found that strange. You know, you go from you know, the, the cities and the, the suburbia, and then there's this little outcropping of territory in northeast Delaware that doesn't really re resemble any of uh, the northeast corridor that we're accustomed to seeing. Um, so it's a pretty quiet stretch of highway, that few miles there between uh, Concord Pike and the state line. Uh, the reason for this is largely because ever since its completion in the late 70s, uh, through traffic through Northeast Delaware has always been directed to use Interstate 495, which is the bypass around Wilmington. Uh, in fact, the uh, control cities uh, reflect this. You know, if you're coming north from um, Newark and you reach the split, the control cities on 495 are Philadelphia, uh, whereas 95 north, it's just Wilmington. Uh, and then the same thing in the opposite direction, 95 South mainly points you to Wilmington, whereas 495 points you towards Baltimore. Uh, so that's, that's probably the big reason why traffic has historically followed the bypass as the main route uh, through Northeast Delaware. It's a little bit counterintuitive. Um, there have been talks over the years about possibly switching the designations of 95 and 495. It actually did happen briefly in the late 70s, 
um, as part of the last major overhaul of 95 through Wilmington. Um, Dell DOT introduced a temporary I-895 designation to apply to the section of 95 through Wilmington. And that was done in conjunction with initially numbering the bypass as I-95 uh, to divert as much traffic as possible around the city of Wilmington because they knew what a traffic headache that project was going to be. Um, when the project, when that overhaul project was completed in the early 80s, which actually was kind of similar to the scope of the project that's about to get underway right now, um, they flipped back the designations again. So they put I-95 back in Wilmington downtown and they introduced the 495 number uh, for the bypass. Every once in a while you'll hear talk about possibly flipping them again and making it permanent. Um, it was, you know, I have it on good authority from someone in the know that it was considered again for this upcoming round of work um, with the intent that it would actually become permanent at the end of the project. Um, however, that that idea got scrapped and they decided to leave the numbers as is. Um, either way, it, it's an interesting little quirk that happened, you know, once before where you have a mainline route that just gets renumbered purely for the purposes of creating a, uh, an alternate route or discouraging through traffic. You know, we, we think of, we, we think of highways being numbered in a certain way, um, but, um, but in actuality, the 895 number was created only for the purposes of discouraging through traffic, which I find pretty interesting that there aren't that many examples of that um, across the history of the interstate system. So since that project in the early 80s, which saw you know, significant repair work, completed to the existing I-95 infrastructure and the, ex and the addition of uh, additional ramps uh, in the area of Wilmington. There haven't really been any major projects along uh, the interstate through town. And as a result of which, most of the structural components, or not you know, many of the structural components, I should say, um, are reaching the end of their useful lives. Uh, DelDOT has been aware of this problem for years now, in fact, and they've been working behind the scenes to come up with a way to address a project of this scale within an urban environment, which of course brings with it its own set of unique challenges, such as uh, traffic management and, um, and the like. Um, DelDOT, Del in fact, uh, actually started a public campaign uh, a couple years ago uh, aimed at you know, increasing public awareness of this pending project, even though it was a couple of years down the pipeline. Um, the DOT wanted uh, the city of Wilmington to be aware uh, and its citizens to be aware of the amount of disruptions that were going to be happening as a part of this project once it did get going. Uh, this project, uh, named by DelDOT as I-95 Restore the Corridor, uh, has quite an extensive scope uh, tied to it. Uh, most of that scope involves the, uh, the elevated sections of the highway uh, over the Brandywine River, uh, the Adams-Jackson elevated structure, uh, the overpass structures through downtown, 
and also uh, multiple bridges along 95 between uh, downtown Wilmington and uh, Newport, where the interstate ties in with the Delaware Turnpike. Uh, all of these bridges will see their lifespans increased significantly. Uh, it's DelDOT's aim to extend the useful life of the existing infrastructure by as much as 30 years. Uh, you will see a lot of work uh, in the area of structural steel repair, uh, repainting of steel on the overpasses, uh, concrete substructure repairs, uh, the bridges will be resurfaced, their decks will essentially be milled down two inches and new pavement will be uh, installed in its place. Uh, the barrier and parapets on each side of the travel lanes are going to be replaced as they are, I believe, either original or they go back to the 1970s and 80s rehab and they are no longer considered uh, appropriate per modern standards. So those are going to be replaced. Um, expansion joints are going to be replaced. Bridge bearings are going to be replaced. Um, there's a lot here and there's a lot that has to be done. There's a lot that's been put off for a number of years. Um, so this scope is going to be all-inclusive. It's going to require the full closure of certain bridges, the rerouting of traffic onto others. Um, in fact, this project is going to be tackled really in two major phases where um, each direction of I-95 is, for all intents and purposes, shut down one direction at a time. Um, and the existing roadway will be complete, uh, converted for two-way traffic. So the thing to remember is that the especially the Adams Jackson structure is that it was really a pair of uh, twin span bridges. Uh, each of them are two lanes wide. Um, Del Dot is going to effectively shut down one of those bridges at a time uh, and redirect I 95 traffic, two way traffic, uh, onto the other bridge that remains open. Um, there was probably some consideration done to just completely shutting down one direction of traffic and not utilizing two-way on the other bridge. That's a little tricky though because you do need to maintain access into the city from both directions. Um, so they couldn't really give this project the Michigan treatment where they can just shut down one direction of freeway entirely. Um, that really wouldn't work necessarily on this project. In fact, when they rehabbed the interstate back in the late 70s, uh, they did a similar thing where they, they shut down one, one half of the, the freeway at a time and then routed two-way traffic on the other half. Um, so each phase, each of these two phases, which involves shutting down of one half of the freeway, are expected to each take one year so the bulk of the heavy lifting on this project is supposed to take two years from the time that it starts, which should be any day or week now. So we can fully expect uh, substantial completion of this project scope um, in time for the spring of 2023. Now, Dot, in preparation for this project also undertook improvements both with the local street grid and also with some of the infrastructure directly involving I-95. Um, in fact, what we would consider to be the pre-stage work for the Restore the Core project 
um, involved the replacement of the southbound on-ramp from uh, Jackson Street onto 95 uh, southbound right near town. Uh, this ramp dates to the early to mid-60s. It was very substandard. Um, it was outright replaced with a new ramp that uh, provides a much better uh, merge area at the top. Uh, if, you're, if you've ever driven that ramp as I have, you know that uh, you get to the top of the ramp and there's freeway traffic right next to you and there is literally no merge area. In fact, you are only really greeted with a yield sign at the top uh, and there's literally no merge area there. So um, that is one project that was completed as a prerequisite uh, for this much larger program that is now about to get underway. Uh, other improvements that DelDot undertook in advance of this project involved uh, the retiming of street lights, especially along Adams and Jackson Street, and also the resurfacing of major uh, city streets in the vicinity of I-95, uh, as those streets are expected to take a lot of alternate volume uh, especially for local traffic um, as this project begins and as it continues for the next couple of years. Uh, because in addition to the shutdown of mainline lanes along I-95, there will be uh, short to intermediate term uh, ramp closures. Uh, the ramps to uh, Maryland Avenue will be shut down and, re and rerouted and detoured. Uh, the ramps to and from Delaware Avenue downtown will be shut down uh, periodically and detoured. So there's going to be a, quite a significant shift in travel habits and traffic patterns uh, associated with this project for the next couple of years. So these are all things that uh, DelDot developed uh, during the uh, early you know, period of planning for this project and identifying the scope of what had to be done. and um, they realized that really the only good way to do a lot of this was to just shut down whole parts of the highway and parts of you know connecting pieces of it uh, in order to be able to complete this work in a shorter time frame uh, yes the disruptions are going to be significant in town there's no question about that um, but uh, it, it is hoped that the reduced time frame that it takes to complete it will uh, help things uh, in the long term. Uh, DelDot is also actively going to be advising motorists to just completely avoid the area if you're not heading into Wilmington itself. Um, make use of I-495 around the east side of Wilmington. It's there. It's not going anywhere um, unless something bizarre happens again on the Christina River Bridge, but that's, a, that's another discussion for another day. Um, so 495 is there. You could also skip across to New Jersey on 295 and the Delaware Memorial Bridge. That's a great option for long-distance travelers. Um, with 95 reduced to one lane per direction for the next two years through Wilmington, it's probably going to be one of those places that you're going to want to avoid. Um, so I would, if I were you and I was planning a trip in that area, I I would certainly be looking into alternate routes, unless you're me. I mean, I'll want to go check it out myself as, as it progresses. But um, that's it's safe to say that 95 through downtown Wilmington is going to be a place you'll want to avoid uh, if you're looking to get anywhere at all uh, for the next uh, couple of years until uh, 2023. 
Okay, so as a quick recap, um, I-95 restore the corridor. Uh, it's going to extend the lifetime of this highway, hopefully, by as at, le at least the next 30 years. There will be major repairs done to as many as 19 bridges and overpasses uh, between Newport and Concord Pike. Uh, the entire highway is going to be resurfaced, including bridge decks, and also major repairs and replacements made to key bridge components, uh, including bearings, uh, substructure, and structural steel. Uh, the whole project is going to get started in uh, February 2021 and should last until the spring of 2023 uh, when we will have hopefully a brand new or at least a new looking highway uh, to enjoy for many years to come. And again, the, uh, the disruptions here from a traffic standpoint are going to be significant. Um, there's no getting around the fact that 95 is a pretty darn busy highway. Uh, it carries about 100,000 vehicles a day. It's very hard to move all those vehicles somewhere else without causing problems elsewhere. Uh, so northeastern Delaware is going to be a bit of a headache for the next couple of years. Um, I do have to say that DelDot has done a fantastic job of alerting people, giving them a lot of heads up as far as not only the project itself, but also you know, being honest with people and saying, you know, this is going to be a pretty disruptive project and you're going to want to seek alternate routes and alternate travel times and stuff like that. Um, there's just no getting around the fact that when you're trying to do a major rehab in an urban area like this, um, big time disruptions are just not avoidable. And, you know, there are certain things that you can do as far as traffic management is concerned. Um, you know, we have the ability now to give motorists heads up, you know, way before they reach an area as far as, uh, you know, telling them to avoid a certain stretch of highway. So you can expect a lot of VMS signs in southeast Pennsylvania, northern Delaware to uh, be directing motorists to 495 as an alternate route. Um, and, you know, we will have to see how this goes you know it's going to be one of the bigger projects in del dot's most recent history um so from a statewide perspective this is going to be a landmark project and you know the engineer in me is really looking forward to seeing how this goes you know i, I have not uh, seen a big project in the state really since i was a kid and i was i was keeping track of what was going on on uh route one uh, between the Wilmington area and Dover. Again, that's another episode for another day. But um, yeah, this is going to be fun. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching the progress and seeing how uh, the the state manages the traffic and, and how, how all that goes. And, uh, of course, from the engineering perspective, seeing the, all the bridge work that's going to be taking place. And uh, hopefully we can revisit this project on uh, multiple occasions uh, in the, uh, the short and somewhat intermediate future as it progresses. So that is pretty much the overview of the Restore the Corridor project uh, in the city of Wilmington. Uh, if you would like to learn more about the project and uh, keep up with the progress, you can visit the project-specific website that Dot has set up. It is RestoreTheCorridor.com.
that's all one word, uh, restorethecorridor.com. Uh, Dell.Dot also recommends that you download their app and they will send you instant updates giving you everything you need to know about traffic uh, congestion and developments along the I-95 corridor through Wilmington. Uh, everything you need to know about the project and what's going on, you can find them all uh, on Dell.Dot's page and also on RestoreTheCorridor.com. Uh, so that's going to do it for this overview of 95 in Wilmington. Uh, we will be back shortly here. I'm going to do a quick voice break again and we'll be back one final time to wrap things up right here on Just Passing Through on the Gribble Nation Roadcast. We'll talk to you in a moment. Don't go anywhere. Oh, temper, temper. back one final time here on Just Passing Through, episode six here on Gribble Nation Roadcast. I uh, would like to thank you very much for listening. Um, again, if you have anything you would like to say about the program, anything you would like me to bring up, or any, any additional information you have for me regarding um, episodes I've done in the past, or if there's anything that you would like me to talk about in a future episode, uh, you can feel free to email me. I'm always available at roadwaywiz at gmail.com. And you can get in touch with me there. And I look forward to hearing from you. Uh, I know you guys are out there listening, so if anybody's got anything they would like to say, um, get a hold of me, uh, roadwaywiz at gmail.com. And I'd be happy to, uh, happy to happy to chat with you guys. So that's going to do it for this episode. You know, again, a nice overview of I-95 through Wilmington, a little bit of the history, and a little bit of what's to come here with the landmark Restore the Corridor project. Um, that's going to be something to watch in the next couple of years. Uh, certainly if you're a road enthusiast and also if you're an engineer, this is going to be a fun one, I think. Maybe not necessarily fun in the sense of sitting in traffic, but it's going to be fun to watch, uh, see how that progresses. I'm very interested to see how Del Dot manages to pull this off. But uh, anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you again very much for listening, and I look forward to seeing you again on our next episode. We'll talk to you then. Until then, take care. Have a good week. Thank you for tuning in to uh, an episode of the Gribble Nation Roadcast. Uh, we hope uh, you get to listen to us again soon. Have a good one. <laughs>